Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Learn to Lead podcast brought to you by Ability, an experiential learning company based in beautiful Austin, Texas. I'm your host, Matthew Confer, and today on the show, we have Jeff Levin, who is the National Managing Director at a global professional services firm. And I would be remiss at this point if I also didn't mention that I previously worked for the group that Jeff leads for almost eight years. I learned a lot from him and from the rest of the people that I got to work with during my time there. So to say I'm extremely excited for this conversation is a bit of an understatement. Thanks so much for joining us today, Jeff. Matt, thank you. Very kind of you to say. Thrilled to be here. I want to kick off today with the last sentence on your LinkedIn profile. It says that you have over 20 years experience leveraging passion, technology, and innovative solutions to lead and inspire team. For you, why is passion a crucial part of the way you lead? Oh, I mean, great question. You know, frankly, I I can give you a positive and a negative spin on it. You know, I'll start with the negative. Think about the alternative. I mean, think about those people you've worked for or with that just are there for the paycheck. It's uninspiring, it's, uh, it's lacking in creativity, and it's frankly not why I like to go to work each and every day. Um, but I'll give you the more positive side of it. And you think about, um, just to paraphrase uh, Maya Angelou, right? It's, it's not what people, you don't remember what people did, you remember how they made you feel. You know, in my most memorable experiences from the 21 years I have at, at uh, my firm is working on projects that I was passionate about, working on projects that, that I didn't mind putting in the extra hours. I, I loved what I was doing. And if I can impart that on others, uh, if I can help build teams that want to be there, that are excited about being there, there's no question we're gonna create much more value as a result. You know, we don't build widgets in, in my practice. We, it's all about advice that we provide, the teams that we build. So if I can be, if I can bring passion, if I can bring creativity and that can magnetize pe- uh, people towards the work we're doing, I mean, all the better. I'm always fascinated by how people change over time. So I want to talk a little bit about how you believe you've changed the most. Um, When I first experienced you as a leader and a manager, and although we no longer work together, I was always impressed with how you led, even though you were slightly earlier in your career than you are now. And how do you personally think that you've changed over the years? And maybe as a secondary question, where do you still want to change going forward? I think I did a lot of sanding down of the sharp edges. Uh, you know, a piece of feedback I got early on in my management career was that I was arrogant. And uh, a lot of that came from just uh, speaking my mind and, and, and being my true self. But I, I learned how to, how to be more, a better listener. I learned how to be uh, more aware of my audience. And slowly that arrogance that I was being labeled as became confident. Um, so it's, it's these kind of micro changes that I've, I've deployed throughout my career. I, I, am a, I have become a much more effective listener. I'm very aware of the audience that I'm surrounded by. I'm very aware of how my words can impact others. And, and that wasn't how I <laughs> that wasn't my style early on. My style was to speak my truth. And when you're a junior manager working with more senior uh, executives, you need to be very careful there. So, you know, for me, it was a lot of little micro changes, just making sure I was kind of um, sanding down those rough edges. In terms of where I want to go and where I need to improve, I am still terrified, Matt, about public speaking. 
Um, I, I watched your TED talk a while back and I was so blown away by your charisma, by your confidence up on stage. I, I might be able to do that, but I am so fear uh, laden in advance of it. And, and I really, in this kind of last stage in my career, and I hope it's my last stage of my career, I'm sure ready for retirement. Uh, I, am, I, I really want to get to a point that as I approach a stage to present to 10, 50, 500 people, I'm not overcome with fear. I, I, I think it's important that I'm aware of my, sen- you know, I'm sensing my surroundings. I, 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 you know, being a little bit nervous means that you care, but uh, that, that's my next goal in my career progression is to have more f- confidence in myself, get more reps under my belt so that I, I, I can walk up on stage and be proud of what I'm about to say, not fearful that I'm gonna, you know, uh, make, a, make a fool of myself. What, one question that I knew I wanted to ask you was about the concept of leading really large teams. Um, I got to I- interact with you um, when you were a manager of, of an office and, and had a lot of responsibilities. You now manage a whole practice and have hundreds, thousands of people that are technically under you. How do you think about managing a large team and what it takes to do that effectively? Yeah, and that, it's been an interesting um, um, progression for me because, yeah, when you and I got to know each other, I had 20 or 30 people in that Boston office, and I thought that I was running the world. Uh, and then as I began to scale in terms of my responsibilities, one of the th- things I learned very quickly is to trust those around me. Uh, and, and yeah, I have 1,600 people under me right now. I am not personally responsible for the day-in, day-out activities of each and every one of those individuals, or frankly, all aspects of what our practice does. I have phenomenal leaders around me that I have to put into the right role. I have to give them subtle redirection and coaching here and there, but then I trust them. Uh, and you know, one of the, I think one of the best things I did when I took over this role seven and a half, almost eight years ago was build a leadership team around me. My predecessor had a, uh, I think he once described himself as a benevolent monarch. I want to hear what people have to say, but then I want to make my own decisions. And, and I, I knew where I wanted our practice to go and just to, to get where it needed to go involved a thousand plus people. And you simply can't do that by being a benevolent monarch. I, I was very interested in bringing smart people around me, putting them into the right roles. And then, as I said, trusting them. You, you hit a little bit on your evolution as a leader and where you maybe hope to evolve in the future. What does personal and professional development look like for you? What do you do? And then what do you wish you had more time for? Uh, I listen to the Learn to Lead podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I get a lot of coaching, um, you know, therapeutic type of coaching where I can speak, you know, speak my mind and get feedback. Uh, that's a big piece of it. And what I've been told over and over again it's kind of what I alluded to earlier. It's all about the reps. It's getting reps under your belt so that you have confidence. You can look back on past experiences and let those past successes dictate your confidence going forward. Uh, you know, it's, there was a period of my time in my career, just to, to be uh, very, very uh, honest, where you know, despite the fact I had to fly almost 100,000 miles a year all over the country and the globe to meet with my teams, I was paralyzed with fear getting onto an airplane. Just uh, something overcame me and I, I, I started having panic attacks on airplanes, which is which would be catastrophic for me in my career. But I was able to seek coaching that that reminded me about all those past successes of being on planes. And, you know, I, I won't go through all the, the boring details of, of the minutia of how I got over it, but I seek a lot of help. And I'm, I'm you know, frankly, pretty unafraid to to, you know, share my scars, share my open wounds 
and seek advice. And, and, and I think that's tremendously important for each and every one of us to just be honest with ourselves and, and seek the, you know, the, the advice of others. You mentioned how important it is to have people around you, especially as you've grown the, the size, the sheer number of people. What are you looking for in those individuals? And, and what do you think individuals early in their career can do to prepare themselves for those type of, of leadership roles? I, you know, I, I want somebody who's obviously confident. I, I, I am magnetized by people who have a belief and a, and a faith in themselves, but I am, uh, I am absolutely a team player. I, I, you know, I just, I adore being in a big team environment. So I want collaborators. I, I think, you know, as you get to a more senior position, you know, as I talked about earlier, I mean, you know, you want to bring, you want to be, you want to magnetize people with your passion, with your confidence, being an individual contributor at this senior of a level is not going to get results. So I am, I am absolutely drawn to people who are natural collaborators who want to get in and solve problems. That's another big thing I tell my people all the time. Don't just bring me your problems, bring me your problems and your solutions, because we're in this together. You know, I, I talk to our managers, you know, we have, we have several levels at our, at our firm. And um, by the time someone goes from senior to manager, I, I need to remind them that you are now part of the quote problem. You're not allowed to just bring problems anymore. You have to bring solutions to the table. You are a leader. People are looking to you as a role model. It's an absolute imperative that you're thinking about the solution. So collaboration and, and being solution oriented are, are absolutely key to being successful. A theme that has definitely come up a ton on this show that, that I have truly enjoyed hearing from people about is balancing professional and personal um, life. What have you learned over your career that could help others in what is really a vital arena? Oh, yeah. And frankly, that's one of the, the, um, the, the probably the biggest areas that I have grown uh, throughout my career. So I have a 15-year-old, almost 16-year-old daughter and a 12-year-old, almost 13-year-old son who's on the autism spectrum. And uh, early on in my career, I thought I could do everything. I thought I could be an absolute superhero at work and then uh, come home and, and be able to accomplish everything I needed to at home. But I over-vectored to the work side. I, I, was, I was confident that everybody would just be waiting for me at home and, and life would remain on pause while I focused on my career. And what I've realized over time, and if I could go back and, and tell my younger self this, I've reminded them the job's always gonna be there. At a professional services firm you know, that, that I'm at, uh, the, the opportunities are frankly limitless, but the kids are gonna grow up day in, day out, whether I'm there to appreciate it or not. Uh, so from a balanced lens, for me, it was, it was learning that it's okay to say no in the work arena because everything at home is gonna happen whether I'm there to appreciate it or not. Um, and that, that's a, been an amazing life lesson for me that I find greater balance when I actually give more at home because uh, work will be there no matter what, seven days a week, you know, 52 weeks a year. What are you the most proud of when you look back at the time that you've spent um, at your firm? And, and what do you hope to accomplish next? I mean, this is going to be a little bit cheesy, Matt, but you know, I, what, one of the things I'm most proud of, I've been in this practice for 21 years. And when I started 21 years ago, uh, I said, I think we can do this better. And one day, if I'm in the, the leadership seat, I, this is how we'll do it. Well, I got there. I, I, you know, I really grew up in this practice. I started as a, at our most junior level at the time, and I, I got promoted all the way through. I am astoundingly proud of the fact that I'm in the driver's seat right now. And um, more importantly, unless as an individual, I am uh, blown away by the value we're creating for our firm. I mean, it's just what when, when I started, and, and frankly, when you were there, I think you would probably agree that we were, uh, we were kind of like the best kept secret, you know, 
people who worked with us, who, who where we were able to provide advice and support, they valued us, but there was a huge component of our firm that had no idea that we even existed. Well, we have unmasked that secret now and the value we're generating for our firm is almost immeasurable. And I'm so proud of, of what we've grown to. When I started, there were 70 of us, there are now 1600 of us. Uh, we, are, we are touching almost every engagement at our firm. You know, the, the value is immense and I'm immensely proud of that. You talked a little bit about how coaching and other reflective activities that you do. Do you have anything else in your routine that either you've developed over the years or you've always had that, that you think allows you to be successful and keeps you focused? Well, I talked earlier about how I, I uh, love being in a team. Uh, the, only, my, the only area where uh, that doesn't apply is exercise. I am a runner and a swimmer, which are both uh, tremendously individual, at least for me. Uh, I, I almost seven days a week find one, a way to do one or the other where I can just, I can leave my home or I can leave work and I can go hit a trail and just think, or I can get into a pool and I can just swim and just think those, uh, both obviously for the physical benefits, but for the mental, um, the mental benefits have been really important for me. Uh, and I picked that up, frankly, I think when I took over the, the national managing director role about seven or eight years ago, because the, the size of the problems I, were dealing, I was dealing with grew exponentially. And I needed an opportunity not just to seek the therapy that I was talking about and the coaching that I was talking about, but find a way to problem solve on my own. And, and being in that, on that 40 minute run or that, you know, that 45 minute swim allows me to get deep into my thoughts. Um, and, and it helps me kind of ideate on solutions. So that, that's been really, really important for me. As the world has changed so dramatically and so much more of work has shifted to remote or hybrid, how do you think you've evolved and, and what have you learned needs to be done to have some of the success that maybe you had when you were in the office more frequently now when you're leading in a more remote context? Oh, I mean, it's been tough. I, you know, we're, we're talking now almost two years into this COVID experiment, if you will, this remote experiment. And um, early on, uh, at least for my core family, just the four of us, we really embraced it. It was an opportunity at, you know, at the time when, when COVID hit and we were, we were kind of pulled away from our schools and our offices, it was a chance to kind of wrap my arms around my family again. Uh, you know, for, for me, I had, I had spent 110,000 miles, I think, in 2019 uh, in the air, which was exciting and a great opportunity to see our people and, and to engage. Uh, but my daughter was on a travel soccer team and the high school so or the, at that point, the middle school soccer team. My son was in all different types of uh, musical stuff. We were rarely together around the dinner table. And, you know, I've, I've, I've waxed poetic about how important that is to me, you know, in the last 15 minutes or so. But we weren't embracing that on a day in, day out basis. So early on, that became tremendously important for our family. We did, I think, 70 or 75 dinners together, homemade dinners, because <laughs> We were fearful of, of bringing groceries into our, or, you know, bringing takeout into our home. Um, and, and we were able to, re, uh, to, to reinvest in our core, which was phenomenal. Uh, from a work lens, you know, we, I think we all went through those virtual happy hours and we tried to use Zoom to our benefit. Then we all hit this exhaustion. And, and Matt, to be perfectly honest right now, I am ready to get back to, we, we've talked about this hybrid concept for a long time at least where I am up in the Northeast, we are still over vectoring towards remote. So even though hybrid is theoretically out there, I, I continuously feel like we're on a lockdown. It, it is having a very negative impact, not just on my household, but our work environment. Uh, our culture is something I'm, I, I've always been very proud of, and it is slowly but surely dissipating as a result of all this remote work. 
we need to find ways to truly bring hybrid to life. We need, in my humble opinion, Zoom works in terms of quick check-ins. It doesn't work in terms of truly building loyalty and building trust and establishing really meaningful relationships. And we have hired hundreds of people since the start of COVID, all of whom only have a Zoom relationship with their peers, with their colleagues, with their bosses. Um, I am truly looking forward to getting to, uh, when we say hybrid, really bringing that to life. Because I, I think it's, at least in our firm, it's having a really negative impact on our culture. And you know, at a, at a firm like ours, where again, we, we don't create widgets. It's not about how many things you can produce. It's about, uh, it's about building trusting teams. It's about building trusting relationships. Without that culture, we lack the loyalty and therefore our attrition numbers have, have uh, been historically high. Hmm. Uh, something you said early, earlier really resonated with me and I want to use it as a final question before we move on to the rapid fire questions. Um, you talked about speaking in front of a large uh, group. So if I, if I gave you a hypothetical and I put 500 people um, in a room and let's say they were on your, in your organization, but they were all very uh, young individuals um, right out of university or, or shortly out of university. And they asked you to give a talk about, you know, advice for career growth or career success or balance. Is there one theme that you would want to leave those 500 individuals with when you, when you stepped off the stage? So I've had that opportunity, not with 500. Uh, so I can take your hypothetical and I can uh, turn it around and make it literal uh, with, with maybe 100, 150. And, and this sounds so cheesy, Matt, but I, I genuinely believe it. Smile. Hmm. Working with, I mean, obviously it meant a whole lot more when we were physically together because you can, I think there's all kinds of filters and things you can put on Zoom. But when we were physically together, being in a room with people who are energetic and positive and back to passion and smiling, my goodness, do you want to be around those people? And the dour folks, the folks who are all business, it's just they're, they're, they're not as magnetizing. I mean, that, that's the cheesy side. The, others, the other advice I've always given is live up to your commitments. You, know, we, you will be pulled in a variety of different ways early on in your career, and you're going to make all sorts of commitments about what you can accomplish. And the advice I always give to people is speak up if you're not going to hit your targets, if you're not going to hit your goals, if you're not going to hit your deadlines because being open and transparent is a whole lot better than uh, being, being somebody who doesn't live up to what they've promised. So smile and live up to your commitments. Those are the two things I, I would give it. I would advise our younger people uh, as they build their careers. Well, I had a hunch I would enjoy this conversation and, and I definitely did. So I, I'm excited to switch to the rapid fire questions that I get to ask all of our guests. So question number one is this, if you could describe your leadership style in just one word, what would that word be? I think I'd say authentic. Uh, you know, what you see is what you get with me. And, and sometimes to my detriment, as I alluded to earlier, but I take real pride in the fact that I have been successful while being myself. Um, you know, the fact that I've been able to grow up in my practice while, as I said earlier, sanding down some of those sharp edges, but fundamentally being my, you know, bringing my authentic self every day. I think it speaks volumes to the, the, uh, the firm that I work at, but um, also the importance of just bringing your authentic self every day. And the final rapid fire question, what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? Uh, it's, you don't have to walk in anyone's shoes, but your own. When I was taking over um, this role from my predecessor, I, I was very anxious about having to replicate the, the way he managed, the way he led. And somebody said to me at the time, hey, you wear your own shoes. You don't have to walk in anyone's shoes, but your own. And my goodness, did that have the most meaningful impact on my uh, on the way that I have led, the way that I have uh, built the teams around me. 
Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Jeff. I truly did enjoy the conversation. Um, where can our listeners find out more about you? This was actually, you know, having listened to the Learn to Lead podcast a number of times, this question is the one that is the hardest for me. I, I have a LinkedIn profile. I, I need to update it more often than I do. Uh, that's about it. So you can look at, you can find me under Jeff Levin uh, on LinkedIn. And I look forward to connecting. But Matt, from, from my side, this has been wonderful. It's always great to reconnect with you. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for all the uh, wonderful insight. And, and as always, thanks to our great listeners for joining us. If you enjoyed today's show, we would love a rating and review in your podcast app of choice. And we truly appreciate it when you share our show with your network. You can find me on social media at Matthew Confer. You can find our show on Instagram at Ability Sims. And you can find our organization at Ability.com. I want to thank Jeff again for joining us on this episode. And of course, I want to thank all of you for joining us on the Learn to Lead podcast. This podcast is produced by Ability, a leading provider of award-winning leadership development. You can find us at www.ability.com or by searching for Ability Leadership Development. Make sure to also check out our 12-week fully virtual mini MBA, the Invited MBA, a nights and weekends program that features experiential learning, mentorship, case studies, and networking. Find more information at www.invitedmba.com. Finally, be sure to subscribe to our podcast so that you get our next episode. We want to thank you all for joining us on the Learn to Lead podcast.